Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. Have you ever seen something so beautiful that it simply took your breath away? Was it the first time you saw a sunset or a sunrise? Or the first time you laid eyes on me? <laughs> I'm just kidding, but no, really. Um, the first time you saw me. Maybe because of COVID-19 and us being sheltered in house, maybe going to the grocery store and seeing aisle nine when Jimmy is stocking those jelly jars. It's the most beautiful thing that you've ever seen. I can recall the first time that I laid eyes on the Rocky Mountains. They were so beautiful to me. As I looked at them and I saw the glory and the majesty of God, I couldn't help, but it just took my breath away because I saw exactly how big God truly is in nature. I wanted to share the experience. So I quickly, I whipped out my cell phone and began to take photos so that I could show my family later. And then I began to look at the photo and look at the mountain. Then I would look at the photo and look at the mountain. And my phone would capture an image that simply did not do the scenery justice. As a matter of fact, I've never seen a photograph that actually captured the, the beauty or the experience of actually being in a place that was just majestic. The closest thing that I've ever seen, and if Miles is watching, he took a photo when he was in Sweden and it was so beautiful, I thought it was photoshopped. And now because of that, I gotta go check out these mountains in Sweden because if the photo looked that good, then the, the mountain has to be magnificent. And I asked him, and he was like, no, it wasn't Photoshopped. And so I got home and imagine that, a project born child from central Texas loving mountains. Like I'd never seen a mountain before, but it was something about it that just caused me to long to be there. And so guess what I did? I went home and I showed my family the photos and they were like, yeah, I see it. Yeah. Okay. It's a mountain. And <clears throat> the more excited I got, the more they were like, okay, we get it. It's a mountain. And so guess where we went on our next family vacation? You guessed it, Colorado. And then my family, when we got there and I was telling them, y'all don't understand. These mountains are going to be beautiful. These mountains are going to be gorgeous. And they were like, yeah, yeah. Seen them on TV, whatever. And so when we got to Colorado, the first, well, we didn't even get to Colorado yet. When we got to New Mexico and they started seeing mountains, every time we stopped, they would whip out their phones and they would take the photos. They were like, oh my God. And I said, this is what I've been telling y'all. And they were like, you didn't say it the way that we are experiencing it right now. And they would jump out and they would take photos. They would take photos. And then they had the same experience that I had. They would look at the photo, look at the mountain. And collectively they said, this just doesn't do it justice. I even tried to tell my friends about it. And my friends were like, bruh, a mountain? I'm like, yeah, dude, a mountain. Like I went and saw mountains. They were so beautiful. You got to go check it out. And they were like, was it in mountain lines there? I was like, I, I don't know. I, I didn't see any mountain lines. And the next question was, was any brothers there? <laughs> a couple. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Hmm. You know how people look at you like you've lost your mind? Sweden, huh? Sweden. So where exactly is Sweden at? Sweden, huh?
But the point of my story is you don't long for something unless you experience it. You don't you don't get the fullness of something unless you fully experience it for yourself. But that day that I was in Colorado, I fell in love with mountains. And the experience of being in the mountains, the different typographies, I would take my family and there was different. Uh, we would be in the valley where we were staying and it was warm and we could play basketball outside and we'd go and we would peak and there was snow. Now that's a scene right there. Can anybody relate to the frustration of people just not getting it? So what's your favorite place on earth? Maybe it's a beach or an island or maybe just staying chilling at the lake or out back in the hammock. If you're on any platform where you have a device where you can type it in the chat right now, we want to know. And if you don't have it, just yell it at the TV. I'll get it. But you want to know the reality? That place that you love so much, uh, that place that you love to be in so much is a fraction of what it was created to be. Its beauty pales in comparison to how it was created. It's only a photo. And today we're going to talk about a place that is truly the most beautiful place ever created. But first, let's hear from the stories of these firsthand accounts of people who were clinically dead in the place that they experienced. And then we'll come back and we'll evaluate what they're saying with the Bible. My eyes were obviously completely enhanced, completely strengthened. In my survey, 74.4% reported heightened senses. They were actually able to see much more clearly than in earthly life. Even people with severely impaired vision or blindness were able to see with perfect vision in their near-death experience. I could see something infinitely far away as if it was right in front of me. I could see the trees and the flowers, and I could see every detail. I could see every individual blade of grass. In heaven, we can hear it all take in it all, just like we can all the sights of heaven, the aromas of heaven, which are sweet and overwhelming. It's a buffet for the senses. It's a sensory explosion. It seemed like all my senses took on the other attributes of the senses. So even though I could hear it, it seemed like I could also see it with my hearing. People talk about how their experience on the other side is more lucid, more aware, more conscious, not just five senses. Some describe it as having 50 senses. It's life, but it's life without the limitations that we've experienced. It's almost like I was gliding like uh, on a people mover that you have in the airport or something like that. And there was a pathway that was laid before me. And so I started moving in that direction. There was some sort of shift in terms of time or dimension. I was in this experience for what felt to me like many, many, many hours. But in fact, the entire thing was probably 30 minutes. There in heaven, Time is there to serve, not to be served like it is here on earth. I get this incredible uh, airborne view, a descending, slowing down airborne view of the city of gold. And it's city. It's a city that's walled. O over the city were majestic mountains that were as gorgeous as any that could be ever seen. However, they did not look that different than earth I wasn't disappointed by that I'm not saying that I noticed snow so think about that snow what does that mean atmosphere temperature snow what's that all about I noticed flying birds later 
What does that mean? Uh, these are the kind of questions I ask. Yeah. Okay, if a bird is to fly, it can't be a vacuum. I'm hearing music. What does that mean? Music can't transfer in a vacuum. I'm floating is what I would call it. I'm floating and coming in, descending. And finally, I come down and touch ground level for a while. And I'm hovering between 40 feet-ish and down. And, uh, but I, I recognize later, oh, there was gravity there. There is gravity. Uh, I could see the townships, as I call them, homes that people lived in, homes that were likely to be created for the people of heaven. Interestingly enough, they struck me by not so much the size as the architecture. I know nothing about architecture hmm. at all. I still don't. But uh, I recognize that there was something divine about the architecture of the buildings. Heaven's never going to be less than this. It's always going to be more. Yeah. In heaven, it's all big. I mean, it, it so far transcends any words that we can happen, that we could come up with here. If you want to talk about uh, uh, meadows and flowers and beauty, and if you want to talk about Did trees. Did you see that? Oh, yes. They're just magnificent, except that they are so brilliant and so vivid as to really defy description. I could not tell other than it was beyond the horizon both directions. There's countryside inside, so the, it's a, it's gorgeous, beautiful, all of the adjectives times a thousand. Similarly, it was almost like the old Roman block arches, but again, these blocks were uh, seemingly solid looking, but not. They were really woven together with love, which is nonsensical. I would say again that if I had any inclination that I was coming back, I would have tried to make more mental notes because many of the questions are the same questions that I ask myself now. And I will say that I was able to see many, again, people, angels, spirits, I'm not sure, very busy. I don't know what they were doing, but they were doing something and clearly doing God's work. Well, the gate is quite large. Um, uh, the, the, the gate itself, the entrance is small um, and the wall is very thick, but you can actually see through it. So I'm looking over these people and I can see through it. And there, there appears to be a, this massive boulevard that really kind of bisects the city and it is made of gold but gold that is so pure you can see through it. It's, it's, what do you mean? Well, you can actually see through the gold. It's gold and it's visible and tangible, but it is, it is pure. Now, we can't imagine that here because gold on earth is one of the densest metals we have. But in heaven, it's so pure you can see through it. So you can see under it. You can see even the roots of trees and things like that. There are trees there. In fact, the tree of life is there. Mm -hmm. uh, that we were not able to eat of here, we can eat of it there. And you can, you're looking through. I'm looking at the tree. The I'm entrance. looking to the gates. I'm looking through the gates. I'm looking down the street. There is a river that flows from this, this throne or this hill that's high and lifted up. And I know that's the river of life because we're told that it flows from the throne of God. So uh, many of the things that we know and enjoy and love here uh, are visible there as well. 
So it's just a, it's just an incredibly awesome, overwhelming, bustling place. It's not a boring place. There aren't any cherubs sitting around on clouds playing harps. This is an active, exciting, thrilling place. And at this magnificent gate, a very large uh, wall, a very thick wall, and uh, but it could, there's a gate, and it looks like the inside of an oyster. It's a, it's a gate made of pearl, uh, really quite dazzling, very br brilliant, very beautiful. It almost looks like it's pulsating with life, except I, I know it's the light reflecting off the gate that make it, makes it look that way. The arch and the tunnel was the same substance. It was not stone, but it was in the stone. But what was the substance? It, the substance was pearl. It, it looked like liquefied pearl. And when the light from the thro throne room, that's the only light that there is, emanated through, it just bounces off the pearl. There's no shadows and there's no darkness at all. And there's no need for uh, unnatural or artificial light. Mm. And it's, it is... Uh, a sight to behold and welcomed me to go through it, but I, I couldn't go through it at that time. One of the problems that I and most people had when they came back from a near-death experience is that even the most intense beauty here on earth, even the most intense love here on earth is very, very pale in comparison to the intensity of the love and to the intensity of the beauty in God's world. Everything was far more intense. The colors were beyond anything we could ever experience here. So our eyewitnesses are talking about this place called the city of God. You see, God started us out in a garden. And you know it, the Garden of Eden. And he told us to be fruitful and multiply. We were supposed to be doing God's work in the garden. However, sin happened. And then our world became broken. And that's why that place that you love so much is not as beautiful and as glorious. And you're not even experiencing it the way that you should be and experience it because of this thing called sin. Let's take a look at Revelations chapter 21 and learn more about how these people are describing their experience based upon what the Bible says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from out of heaven, from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And so we see here in the text, the thing that John was seeing was a new heaven and a new earth merging. It's going to be just like it was in the Garden of Eden, except it's progressed. You see, what I was saying earlier, in Genesis, God put us in the garden to be fruitful and to multiply. And he told us to cultivate the earth, which means to create culture, to create things. And it's, it's funny that God created us in the garden and now we see cities, we see uh, houses, and, 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 and Jesus talked about it. He says, in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, 
Would I not have told you this? And the idea is Adam and Eve didn't have homes or, or dwelling places like John talks about in Revelation. And so the whole notion and the whole idea is God is working. God is perfecting. And heaven is not going to be us just sitting around swinging in hammocks. God has work for us to do in heaven. Check this out. Verse nine. Then came one of the angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city of Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God is radiance like a more rare jewel, like a jasper clear as crystal. It had a great wall with 12 gates and at the gates, 12 angels and on the gates were the name of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates and on the west, three gates and on the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the lamb. Verse 18, the wall was built of jasper like the city was pure gold like clear glass the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel the first was jasper the second was sapphire the third was agate the fourth was emerald the fifth was onyx the sixth was carnelian the seventh was chrysolite the eighth was beryl the ninth was topaz the tenth was chrysophrase the eleventh was jacinth the twelfth was amethyst and the twelve gates were 12 pearls. Each of the gates had a single pearl and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Think about that for just one moment. Those are things that we all desire to have here on earth. Like who wouldn't want a big bar of gold right now? Who wouldn't want gold so pure that it seems as pure, uh, pure glass? This is the stuff that the city of God is created out of. It's so funny that we're down here killing one another for it and God is making the streets of it like that in heaven. Now here's the kicker. I know it's a beautiful place. I know you can only imagine. Just, just picture it for a minute. Just picture just walking down the aisles in Zales or Bonos Jewelers or wherever you want to go. And just walking down the aisles and just looking at all the beautiful rings and all the beautiful ornate things, right? you be like, it's really beautiful. Now imagine a city created out of all of that. Beautiful, breathtaking, but that's not what makes heaven so beautiful. Watch this. And I saw no temple in the city for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. There's no temple because our worship is going to be totally a part of our being in heaven. We're going to be able to commune with God just like Adam and Eve did in the garden. And this is what makes heaven so beautiful because God's presence is there. See, one thing that we don't understand about this earth is it's decaying, it's dying. The Bible says that it's groaning to see what the sons of man will be. It's groaning to see what we're going to look like. In verse 23, it says, and the city had no need for sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the lamb. 
People who've had these near-death experiences say that they encountered Jesus and they say that he was a man of light. That light literally emanated out of him. He was so beautiful. You couldn't barely stand to look upon him because of his beauty and his brilliance. And we're going to experience this in heaven. There's not going to be a place for lights because God is the light in heaven. There don't be no moon. There, no, there will be no need for the moon or the sun because God is the sustainer in heaven and he is going to illuminate everything with his very being. It says by its light, the nations walk and then <clears throat> and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. Now, what is the glory and honor of the nations? Listen, there are things created here on earth that will be redeemed in heaven. They will be thought of as the glory and honor of the nations. Listen, I don't know exactly what it means. I don't even know the fullness of it. I'm just reading the text. Listen, work was a part of the original covenant in Eden. The idea of working in heaven is foreign to many people. Many of us is like, I've been working my entire life here on earth. I work my entire life to retire because we're limited by time and we're dying here on earth. Like our bodies are wearing down and we want to get a chance to relax and rest. And so when I get to heaven, I want to rest and there will be rest in heaven. But here's the thing. Scripture clearly teaches that God created man, Adam, put him in the garden and told him to take care of the garden, to cultivate the garden, to cultivate the earth, to be fruitful and multiply. Work is a part of the <clears throat> of the original identity of the perfect man. Perfect human life entails working. God himself is a worker. God didn't just create the world and when the Bible said he rested, he retired. No, Jesus even said it. He says, my father is always <clears throat> at his work, at his work to this very day. And I too am working. Jesus found great satisfaction in doing his father's work. Here's another thing he said. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. God is the primary worker and his image bearers were made to work alongside him. You were created to accomplish and set goals and fulfill them for God's glory. Work in heaven won't be a frustrating proposition. You were created to do it. Here's another thing that we can take away from our friend's conversation. The scripture tells us, and you guys know this in the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we know that the temple of God was just a reflection or image of the temple or the worship that was going on in heaven. That's why we have to understand what is it that he's given you to do? Will he be able to say that the work of your hands brought him glory and honor? Again, like I said, I don't know fully what it's going to entail, but I know while I'm on earth, I must be about my father's business. Because what I'm doing here on earth is preparing me for the season and the life to come. Some of you might ask, well, if heaven is such a great place, what's going to stop us from sinning again? 
I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 27. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Your salvation is secure. You're there for eternity. Nothing is going to come in to tempt you or get you off of your game because you're going to experience the fullness and the glory of God. And that's why probably, again, this is conjecture on my part, but that's why we see that the, the city was surrounded by gates. But he said, because of the light, because of the way that it was set up, no one's going to be able to enter into it that should not be there. In heaven, if you're still not convinced that we're going to be a part of God's plan, in this beautiful place. Your workplace is going to be so beautiful. Let's see what verse 20, I mean, chapter 22 says. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the lamb. Verse two, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the lamb will be in it and his servant will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no they will need no light or lamp or sun for the Lord will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. Listen, we're going to have some type of administrative role in the kingdom of heaven. I don't know what we're going to be ruling and reigning over. I don't know what we're going to be setting in order. I don't know if your gifts here on earth are going to be. I, I, I don't know, but it sounds good to me. You can't stress this enough. All things are going to be made new. Don't you want to be in a place where prayer is no longer a challenge because there's no need for a temple because you worship God with your very being. Listen, I'm, I'm excited about heaven. I'm excited about the light and there's no shadows to be cast. I'm, there's no darkness. I'm, I'm excited about all of those beautiful things. I'm excited about the mansions and the pearly gates and being able to witness that. If it's anything like being up in a mountain or being in Sweden or wherever, I'm so excited about it being so much greater than that and grander than that and us being able to experience heaven with all of our senses and all of our being and just in a state of euphoria. I'm glad of all that. But the most important thing that we cannot miss is we're going to be in the presence of God and we're going to be the way that we were created to be. No more struggling and striving with sin in our lives. No more hurt. No more, no more heartache. No more brokenness. We're going to be made whole. We're going to be renewed. We're going to be with God. And that's what makes heaven beautiful. People who are blind here on earth, who've lived their entire lives blind, will be in heaven. And people have reported they were able to see with 2020 vision, or even better than 2020. I don't know the best for you. Like you can just see all over the space. People who have no legs are able to just, just move around freely with new resurrected bodies. I'm so excited about this beautiful place. 
I'm so excited about what God has done. I'm so excited about what God is doing in our hearts and in our life. But hear this, and I hope I didn't bomb. I hope I didn't bomb too many people out by talking about work in heaven. But you're gonna finally be doing what God created you to do. Now listen, before we go, I want you to hear this testimony from Dale Black. He was an airplane pilot. He was actually a safety control officer for the airlines. He flew commercial and one day he was flying in this uh, small private plane. And shortly after it took off, him and three other pilots were in the plane and they crashed. Uh, ironically, they crashed into a monument that was uh, erected for fallen pilot, pilots. And everybody was pronounced dead at the scene. Uh, but, he was but he was resuscitated and came back. And here's his testimony about experience that he had with Jesus. Later, I did. That was the last thing that happened after going through the city and asking questions and going through at the very last moment, I had been ushered closer and closer toward the light, toward the light, toward the light. The light that's in the center, center of the city. Yeah, and then there was a stairway that was near the glass sea, which it looked like a sea, and a stairway that went up, and a large angel with the most uh, power, if we would say that, and it was clear that he was basically in charge of that stairway. And uh, I be just began to communicate uh, to this angel heart to heart. Again, it's hard to say, did we talk? It seemed like it, but then it seemed like we didn't. This communication was, was just impeccably pure. And I began to recognize, I can't go up there. I can't go up. I, I can't go up and still go back. And I was thinking, go back, go back, what, what, what do we mean, what's that mean? And as soon as I'm thinking, go back, the angel moved just to the side. But I looked into the eyes of the warmest, kindness, most wonderful. I knew this was the son of God. I knew this was my savior. And all of a sudden my knees buckled, my legs lost their strength. And I just went down. I couldn't stand. Mm -hmm. I was, I was not worthy to. I was not worthy to stand in His presence. Funny that I didn't feel worthy to be in heaven. Yet I knew I was worthy in the early part. I was somehow given this, granted this authority, but I had this supernatural uh, gift that I was worthy. Somebody had done something for me. He had. Yes. And so I'm down on my, just falling down, and I see his feet, and I grab them, and I hold his feet, and I see the scars, and I know this is the Son of God. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. It is because of him. He died for everybody. It's so cool because the Bible even says, no, I just take that back. Jesus said, that uh, I have come not to condemn the world, but that the world through me will be saved. And it was because of that. He was, he's not condemning anybody. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life 
what sins you've done, including murder. It doesn't matter what you've done. All of it is, is forgivable. God can forgive anybody of anything. And then we have this free gift that we call salvation. You and I know about it. And that's it. what you felt and at his feet. Like. I just, but to describe this experience, I just stopped at his feet and, and I was worshiping him in down on the ground there. And I f heard the voice, Dale, do you love me? <laughs> That's it. Do you love me? Mm. And I'm trying to think of all these words to say. And I'm getting ready to say, in a sense, I'm getting ready to say, but I've said nothing. And I'm getting ready to say, of course I love you, Lord. I remember who you are, what you do. I'm getting ready to say that. And he bends down and whispers into my ear. And I'm now back. Can you imagine being in the presence of Jesus and being torn? Should I stay? Or should I go? And then waking back up in your body. I can only imagine that there's this overarching uh, understanding that I'm here for purpose. The Apostle Paul even dealt with it. He said, it'd be better for him. <laughs> he would love to go and be in the presence of the Lord, but he knew he was still needed here. Some of us have this attitude that, you know, when God decides to take me, he's just going to take me and I'm just going to live my life until he decides to take me. But what are you doing in the interim? What are you doing in the meanwhile? Because here's the thing. I don't want to stand in the presence of God and have been hard headed and, and, and have said that, 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 okay, I'm in this beautiful place, but I didn't do what you told me to do. I didn't accomplish what you set me out to do. And I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. In heaven, there's going to be a lot of people crying. And the Bible says he's going to wipe the tears from my eyes. And we're going to rejoice because we're in the, we're in the presence of the Lamb of God. But I don't want to leave anything behind. Listen, if you're here today and you're, you don't have the assurance that if you were to die today, that you will experience this beautiful place that these people are talking about and that the Bible is expressly talking about. We want to hear from you. We want to help walk you through the next steps in your walk with God. And so this is what I'm going to do. For the next few moments in ECC, you know we do this every week. I want you to just think about heaven. Think about being able to worship God with all you have without having to deal with the day-to-day, -day, having to deal with the frustrations. And I want you to lay that all at his feet right now. For, for the next few moments, just, just create a space. 
Put your phone down. Let God speak to your heart. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.